This is Kyle Hankins, one of your hosts. Uh, this week I'm joined by Joey Yo-Yo Kerprine, Dylan the Mullet Perkins, and we are joined in the studio by Nick Otto from Huntervore. He's been he's joined us for the second time now. We really love having Nick on. He's very knowledgeable about cooking everything wild game. Uh, we have a few beers, tell a lot of funny stories, uh, cut up on the first part with Nick and, and learn a lot. And then the second part, Chad Davis joins us and he is, uh, he's punched some tag and he's, he joins us to, to, uh, talk about his season so far. But before we get started, we want to join or we want to talk about, uh, the sponsors that make this thing possible. Our new sponsor this week, Cane Creek Taxidermy, uh, Popper Bluff, Missouri, Jason Jenkins. It's five, seven, three, four, two, nine, six, eight, nine, three. If you have any questions about, <clears throat> any of his work just go by his shop he's got a hell of a team there he's got all kinds of stuff you can look at ideas he can bounce off of you but he'll do it with the way you want to do it so uh check him out man it's cane creek taxidermy right there in popper bluff silverback blades my buddy lj jarrett he uh you can get a hold of him on silverback outdoors on instagram get any knife made you want he's filling orders right now for christmas so get on that uh, Silverback Blades, Dirty Duck Coffee, the coffee that doesn't suck, man. I drink it every morning I can. Every morning I'm around home, I drink it. Uh, it's really, really good stuff. The Ten Ring Breakfast Blend is my favorite. Also like the Missouri Boat Ride and High Velocity. That's all pretty good stuff, man. Uh, check it out. Dirty Duck Coffee, the coffee that doesn't suck. Bond Outdoors, our buddy James up there in Popper Bluff. His number is 573-772-5510. Go by and check him out. If he ain't got it, he can get it for you. Uh, he's got a pretty kick-ass shop that's coming right along up there. Go check him out and support him, man. Support local. MCK Cattle Company, my buddy Trent McKinney up there, 870-219-4427. He's, I think he's still doing a little bit of butchering. He's probably got some ground beef there on site, so get a hold of him. He's outside of Popper Bluff, Naylor, Neelyville area, Fair Dilling, all that through there. Get a hold of him, man. Trent McKinney, 870-219-4427. Boot Hill Lodging. That's my buddy, Derek Turner from Boot Hill Lodging. Uh, check him out on Instagram, Facebook. If you need how to get a hold of him, holler at me. I'll get in touch with him, but you can look him up, man. He does a lot of posting on social media. Boot Hill Lodging, B-O-O-T-H-E-E-L, Lodging. Check him out. Feather Pursuit Guide Service. These boys right here are the real deal. 731-414-5056. Get up a clay. He'll put you on the ducks. Also, everybody knows him. He we love him around here. Terry Scott Jr. with Kilmo Ducks. 573-344-6071. I'm seeing a lot of negative reports on ducks, but you go to his page and uh, you check out what they've been doing over at Kilmo Ducks and it'll change your mind. A lot of people have been scouting the area and they're saying they ain't seen as many ducks they usually are. Well, they're killing the hell out of my Kilmo Ducks. So get a hold of TJ Scott. He'll put you on them and uh Man, we just thank you. We're we're really thankful for his partnership. Uh let's see, Dirty Doug. I don't know. I think my uh GYT ninety. Cade McBroom, look him up, get a hold of us. GYT ninety is the number one deer attractant on the market in our case. Uh in our in our opinion, I mean it's the the, the good stuff. GYT ninety. Need to start putting it back out. You can I mean you can put it out year round, but we're fixed to start doctoring uh uh, doctoring our deer back up with it, and getting get them recovered from after the rut, and uh, we're gonna try to go year round. I think me and Yo Yo is gonna put have a year round GYT ninety spot on both our farms and just see what it does. 
see if we can get some uh, trail cams and show you the growth over the couple, next couple of years of GYT90 puts on these deer. Anyways, uh, Horny Deer Sense also, man, Scott Pratt. He's from down there in Georgia, but the, the rut blend is working out perfectly. Uh, the doe estresses too. I'll bring it in on a drag and uh, <clears throat> deer cross my path and they uh, they never get startled. They never get, uh, they never win me. They never really question anything. It covers up everything and it also brings some in. So check out all of our sponsors, man. I think that's everybody. If not, I'm sorry. I'll get you on the next one. Uh, but we really hope you enjoy this episode. We also got our giveaway going on from Keep Rutting Outdoors. Uh, keep writing game calls. I'm sorry. Don't forget to check them out. All you have to do is tag us in your deer camp pictures. That's it. Just tag at Boot Hill Hunting Camp Podcast. And you'll be automatically entered to win. I think we're going to give it away when we're in Iowa. We're leaving for Iowa here next. Uh, we're leaving for Iowa tomorrow morning, actually. So <clears throat> tag us in your pictures, man. In the next couple of days, we're going to give these two calls away. We're going to give away on, away on Facebook and one away on Instagram. I don't care. It ain't got to be current. If it was this deer season, I mean, it don't have to be like you took it today. If it was this deer season, you got a picture you want to share with us, just tag us. We'd appreciate it. Uh, done got several entries in that, so hopefully, hopefully we'll give them away to a very, very, very lucky customer. Anyways, I'm tired of rambling. Uh, hope you all enjoy this episode. Loud thunder, heavy rain, thin line between joy and pain. It's a long, strange trip. It's all insane. You ain't ever gonna be the same Living life through the night Thin line of a lightning strike Sometimes the only light When the moon is tucked away Pistons pumping Minds are racing End of season It's hard to sleep, man End of season Everybody, you got all these thoughts in your mind Bad news surrounds me Missed him. As always, found Bauer hit a twig today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the dog days find a way. Loud thunder, heavy rain. Thin line between joy Welcome. and pain. Uh oh, it's going solo. Welcome back to the Boot Hill Hunting Camp podcast. Man, we're glad you're back for another episode. I can't remember what episode it is, but we're glad you're back for it. 69 69 <laughs> no we're past we're 70 or something we've had a we've had a good uh good day good week man we've dylan's still the only one that's killed at the table uh, killed what deer i killed a deer <laughs> <laughs> where you been kid. where you been oh. kyle <laughs> yo yo like, killed yo yo killed a deer yeah, i got one i forgot okay so i'm the only one that hadn't killed a deer let's rephrase that uh, I just got a text message from Chad Davis. Oh yeah, what's he he's doing? headed this way. Oh, drink up. <laughs> he did say Chad Davis. Hold on a second. You see him turnips, radishes, or whatever Puto, he had pulled up. Puto grandes, eh? Yeah, size of your head. Uh, there's the size of my head. There's something, and I, I think yeah. them was the size of my head. Man, yeah, we. They, the we green, uh, the green flowing off the back of them, the green yeah, they, stem. They had, had a mullet. hell of a mullet going. Mm-hmm. We have a very special guest. One of my probably is my favorite. I mean, <clears throat> I love all the guests we have on here, but I'm a fat ass, and I love and food. anybody that tells us new recipes, dude. And, and I, I've been talking to him today, and 
and I mean, I won't spoil everything we're going to talk to him about, but uh, Nick Otto from Huntable Podcast is going to be joining us here in just a few minutes. We're running about two and a half, three, four, seven hours behind, but he is waiting on the line with us right now. We're going to get him, uh, get him in here, and uh, and we're just going to talk about food, talk about hunting, and shit like and that. Probably you know? more food when it comes to talking to Nick and beer drinking. It. He called me like an hour ago. Me and Joe was out moving cams. Trying to see what inventory we have left. Moving cams and Kyle was smoking a Boston Bud on yeah, the smoker too. Yeah, we uh, turned out pretty good. Pretty did pretty good. I just kind of it. There was a lot of fat in it though. You know, a lot of yeah. a lot of chewy spots, but tasted good to me. It's pretty damn good. But anyways, uh, me and Joey had to move cameras and and see what inventory we had left after the Orange Army. And Nick called me about an hour and a half ago. And I was like, hey, bud. I was like, man, we're running behind. I said, he's in a different time zone. I didn't think about that. Then he had to come check out the Casa. Yeah, yeah I went to Michigan. Was, you wouldn't think. you think Central, you know. I know. It was right there above us. You would think it's not it, but it's a different time zone. Then we had to go to, we had to, go to Dylan's, check out his new house. Mm-hmm. So we went out there and drank a few beers out there with him. Nick said it's no big deal. He's going to pour me another glass of whiskey, mm. and he'll talk to us here in a little bit. Holidays, baby. I love the holidays. Holidays. Don't, it sucks that tomorrow's <laughs> the end of it. Today's yeah, the end of it. It kind of is, but it kind of feels like the holiday. Thanksgiving all the way through Christmas, New Year's. It's just Yeah, you're right. End of the year. Yeah, every every weekend you're in or every weekend there's something going yeah. on or somebody here, you know. Cause Seeing I, new people, you know. Because Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners and stuff start are starting earlier and earlier. I seen that is some, true. I seen somebody had a big Thanksgiving blowout like Halloween weekend at their, yeah. their grandparents' house or something. I'm like, well, you, that's you know, the way to go, People though. move off like uh, Victor and uh, Nicole do uh, her side of the family. Every other year they rent a giant cabin in Branson, like a 10-bedroom thing and they just all get together for like four days and yeah. do thanksgiving dinner cook it right there you know and yeah those silver and that's a pretty cool idea but yeah once you have a lot of kids and grandkids and expand that house fills up quick erica's cousin is fixing to uh you know her cousin danielle mm-hmm. lynn and d lynn is her other cousin and they're fixing to buy a house down the street here just for when they come home for the holidays. Yeah. They got so many damn many kids. Mm-hmm. They're just going to have like a vacation house right down here, down the street. Right here in Campbell, Missouri, bud. Right why, would, why wouldn't you want a vacation? I mean, here? you could probably, I mean, BJ could probably flip it for a quarter million dollars. Yeah. Nah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, uh, my mom and dad's neighbor in Glenville, same thing. The kids kept the house and fixed it up and use it for when they come in yeah, to visit, picnic in. and different stuff. Yep. Who's that? Uh, across Dot Hennessy's house, old house there. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, let's call old Nick up. What y'all say? Let's do it. See, See what, what he's got in, going on. See what they're doing in Michigan. <clears throat> Probably sitting around a fire bundled up in the house or something because it's freezing ass cold there. They've been killing some animals up there, too. Oh, yeah. They've been killing more. And Nick Otto, are you there? Hey, can there you hear me? There he is. What's up, Buck? Hey. What's up, man? Hey. Oh, just living the dream up here. We finally got some snow here in Michigan. It feels it feels like the season it should be. I was about to ask you, how's the Great White North treating you nowadays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, for a while there, it's always a hard transition. Uh, you know, we're, we're always like, oh man, it's going to start to get cold. We got to put on the layers, and 
you're always hesitant. But, man, once that first snow happens, you can't get enough. You look forward to throwing on boots. You're looking forward to getting the chill in the nose. It makes coming back inside and having a good meal worthwhile. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we don't get that every year where we're at. We, I mean, some years we get a good snow or two, but some years might, you don't might get be, one. Might be 25 degrees in the morning by 3 o'clock, by 80. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Man, I don't – I. You know, I'm I'm jacked up about this podcast. I was, I really wasn't feeling it too much, but I tell you what, every time Nick, well, this is the second time Nick's come on with us, right? Yes, sir. Right, right. Okay, so as soon as he answered the phone, it's like, wha-bam! He's podcast mode. He's amped up, ready to go. He's he's ready to get shit going tonight. Hey, he, you hey, bet, man. I love talking about food, and this is the dude I like to talk to about. Uh, we we love the the butcher's butter. And we love, oh yeah, yeah, we good, love, we good. love this, we love the sauce, man. We, we just got done eating uh, pulled pork sandwiches, and some tater chips, and uh, some ice cold bush lattes, and dude, that that uh, barbecue sauce recipe is pretty much spot on. Oh, that good, came from good. him. Yeah, it came from him. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't know that came now, from you. I am gonna say I did steal it, um, but it's been several years, and I do I hold that close to me. There's not a lot of things that I write down. And yeah. this was definitely one that I was like, we're putting this on the index card, and this is going up next to uh, my mom's goulash. I keep that right there. Yeah, well, I can tell you this. It's so versatile in what you can do with it. You can hit just about any light meat with that, that barbecue sauce. Well, I was I was kind of hesitant when we first when I first started out cooking it, and then, then it thickened up and thickened up, and I guess molasses finally took over and, you know, done their deal, and it was it was damn good, man. Good, good. I don't so like that butter workout for you as well. It was good, man. It was good. I I, uh, I actually made the frozen log of it and I put it on top of the butt about halfway through. Some of it on top of the butt, and uh, man, but it, it was it was fire, dude. That's good, and I like it. It's a great vessel to get whatever <laughs> spice you want to add in. Like we, you could doctor that up any way you want. You put any spice you want in. One I gave you was, you know what? Let's bring a little bit of zip. Um, you probably got a, a, a rub on it already, but this yeah. just adds that one little extra, you know, gives it some cayenne, gives it some paprika and really kind of just adds that extra punch to the yep. bark that you're going to oh, want. Yeah. So yeah, it was, no, I'm glad that worked out good. It was fire, dude. I, I would love to eat at your house every now. That'd be pretty badass. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, how old are you? How did you say you was again? I am. Oh my goodness. I'm old enough to forget. I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. okay See, i couldn't remember from last time i was going to re-listen to the last episode we had but i never had a chance to but uh yeah man you're you're a you're a fucking genius dude i seen you <laughs> had uh you had a hell of a deer camp or a beer camp there huh yes we did oh man we got our guys together now we we call it deer camp but in actuality it's we get together out of the cabin and we just we drink a bunch of beer and we eat a bunch of food and we bullshit the whole night. It's uh, it's just an awesome thing that we look forward to. Uh, we did feast on venison. Um, kind of our in our group, what we do is we end up holding the heart. So off every deer taken in both seasons, we go ahead, hang all the deer. We get them all processed out the way guys like them. Uh, some like more ground. I like more roast. So we, we cut them all up as they come in. But all the hearts end up with me. They come to my freezer. They hang out. 
I end up throwing a marinade on those the night before and I butterfly them all out. So the way that I do that is I steam out, um, basically I follow the ventricles. So once I get mm-hmm. it all cleaned out, I open up like a book, that whole heart. So I'm left with basically a small steak and a big steak. Yeah. It, you know, as I'm throwing them on the grill, guys are even looking at them, they're like, that's not a heart. That looks like a piece of, piece of steak that I just get off a cow. And it's like, oh man, this is, this is heart. And I added a, I went with just a Mexican, easy Mexican marinade. Um, you know, your base olive oil and vinegar, cause that's going to be your, what's uh, going to be carrying your spice on that. Um, I did end up zesting out a full lime and then hit the lime juice on the inside of that. And then I followed up with cumin, cayenne, salt and pepper, uh, dried cilantro. Cause that's what I had on hand. I wanted to use the fresh stuff, but I saved that for the garnish. Um, but anyway, hit the dried cilantro in there. And when you're doing something that you're going to be making tacos, you're going to be making carne asada, you're going to be making whatever Mexican dish and you got a sauce, or you got a marinade going on. The tip there is cocoa powder. So I added two teaspoons of cocoa powder into that marinade and it just adds a bit of that bitterness. And there's that thing with cocoa and chili that just work out really awesome. So that cayenne really poked through. Oh, and I did finish off with some chili flake just to make sure that I had enough fire in that. Quick sear on either side, cut that against the grain, serve it in a tortilla, and man, I tell you what, that that's that's a winner right there. I did those last year, and resoundingly, that's what everybody wanted again this year. So, yep, fired that up, had the grill out there, and had a great time. Hell right. Uh, we do. Uh, we do When's the next the, beer camp? I'm going to come on up. <laughs> no doubt. Oh, shit. I don't know how far it is from here. We're headed that way. We we do it deer hard at our camp too, uh, but we're on a backpack camp, so it's it's you know four or five miles in, and we usually just fry the heart, you know, just flour it, salt and pepper go. it, and whatever we got and fry it. But I mean, that sounds like something I could do, you know, it, with the limited amount of items, you know, I could pack in just a thing or two and have a whole different setup, you know, a whole different meal. You could whip up that marinade and throw it inside of just a an empty Nalgene that you got or a water bottle. Yeah. and Or even at that point, if you're already taking the cut pieces in, if you've already got the heart with you, put that in the marinade. And the idea is, you know, the more that you massage it, you know, I would revisit it every couple of hours and massage it through. You throw that in the bottom of the pack, and it's just getting massaged the entire way there. Yeah. That's going to be more tender than backstrap by the time you guys get to camp. I think that's the route you need to go. Yeah, bury it in your <laughs> bottom of your backpack, and you're tenderizing every step you take. <laughs> so what does uh, what does a cumin do? Is it a, is it a flavor, or does it does it help the meat, or what's it? What is it? I've never tasted it. I don't guess. Gotcha. It's a uh, let me let me try to describe it. It's, it's used a lot in Latin cuisine, whether it actually be in uh, Spain or it even be um, in Mexico. And it's just a real, I would say it's like savory. Oh, sorry about that. I got my ring ring going. Oh, you're good. Anyway, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a savory seasoning, and it, it really does a good job of, like, coating your palate. So... When you open, when you rip open a thing of Ortega, that first hit of seasoning that you're getting is going to be cumin. That's the first wave that you get. So, like, it's a big one in taco mixes. 
It's a big one in like asada marinades. It really does offer a real good Latin flavor. I couldn't tell you exactly what it's I made from. It, like if it's a cumin plant or or whatnot. All I know is if I'm making together a, a taco seasoning or if I'm putting together a marinade uh, and it's got a Latin flair to it, heck yeah, cumin's going in. I got you. I got you. And the cocoa, that's something I would have never thought to pair with that, you know. Yeah. Uh, the cocoa. Yeah, powder. that's a it's a mole thing. Yeah. So you're getting into deep Mexico and you're getting into the mole. And that's a big thing they use is that cocoa powder. And so we had a foreign exchange student um, end up with uh, my in-laws. And so she was cooking together some dishes, just kind of showing us what she did traditionally. And man, she was always going into the cocoa powder and adding some of that. So it's like, that's when I was taken immediately from watching her make those dishes. I was like, they use the cocoa powder. They, they know what's going on. So I want to be able to jump on that bandwagon. All right. Well, before we get, we're already 15 minutes in man we just we love talking about food we love talking about cooking uh before we get too far away tell us who you are introduce yourself again for those who didn't listen to your episode a a few months ago (laughs) tell us who you are and and what you're about man gotcha yeah my name's nick otto i am the huntivore uh off the huntivore podcast and my whole thing is celebrating and utilizing the wild game that you and I all get, whether it be white tails or whether it be, you know, pronghorns near where you guys are at or upland game, uh, waterfowl. I try to get a, as much as I can. And that's what my podcast is all about. Is I try to just venture around and how can we use more of our wild game? Um, I've been a hunter for only about 10 years, but uh, starting out, it really made a big impact after I got my first animal on the ground that you know i have been in the the meat industry for a long time but then to actually down that animal in the wild it left a big impact and i was like i want to best utilize this animal that i can and so that's been my journey and i just love sharing it with with folks who will listen you know there's other folks that are out there like you guys that it's like i love cooking i love eating and you know if if that went away if i was just living on the same burger from venison day after day it's going to get boring and we want to make sure to add some spice and pizzazz to, to what we're making all right nice well man it's always a pleasure having you on and and uh we thank you for i know thanksgiving weekend's a pretty hectic schedule for everybody and i really appreciate you coming on tonight uh i've been wanting to yeah, talk to I was, you I, I know y'all i know y'all was successful during deer season y'all killed some deer and had some had some good times and really just want to jump on and shoot the shit with you for a little bit yeah, yeah. Yeah, we had a great bow season. Uh, we had five deer total taken. I was able to take a doe, and a couple buddies got real nice Michigan bucks. Um, one got a 10-point, one got a 7-point, and, yeah, it was a successful year. Um, I think last year it was just one of those things like you just kind of had to roll with the punches, and we finally we got through that hard year and came into this one, and, man, we took 2021. 20, uh, by command it was it was a great great venture this year that's what we're doing this year that's our that's missouri that's what we're having this year we're having a shit-tastic year dude it's yeah. it's <laughs> it's brutal here uh it's, it's pretty bad i was oh, already man. i was already tagged out this time last year i've been tagged out for a month or so this time last year and i hadn't even punched one tag yet so yeah it's it's been pretty wow rough. i hadn't punched a tag this time last year either and yeah and we got a we were all hunting on some pretty good ground, and uh, we're struggling. 
So. <laughs> well, wait. I thought you guys were the experts. I thought you guys knew what was going on. No, we know. We know. We, we know, what, know what's going. We know on. what to do. The deer in our area just don't know. With they're us. not cooperating. Hey, like, they're not just cooperating. To, like, <laughs> that, like that shirt says. Says we we don't suck at hunting. The animals just suck at standing in front of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No. Uh, man. It. It. Honestly, it's it's been hard, dude. And it's been bad. And I. And the, but the weird thing is, I'm not making excuses because you know it, it is what it is. But uh, we got some huge duck hunters that are sponsors of our show, and they've got like killer ground, and they're world renowned duck hunters, and they got outfitting services and big cabins and everything, and and they uh, they're having a hard time with ducks too. So maybe it's something. I don't know. Maybe it's something in this area. Earthquake. For the Earthquake, yeah. Fuck Joe Biden. <laughs> Does say out loud? Fuck Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where are those stickers where he's saying, I did that? Yeah. yeah. You start slapping those on all your it's empty like, tags right Damn, now. dude. Yeah. <laughs> so you yep. said you got some deer in uh, a couple bow kills, you said? Or some of your yeah, friends um, in y'all's camp? Yeah, we we try to hit bow season real hard in our camp. Um, That's just because things get busy. And here in Michigan, that is the traditional time to head out to the woods. It's I mean, it's a date on the calendar. It's almost like a holiday where it's November fifteenth becomes uh, firearm season. Yeah, and I mean, it is it's the Orange Army that goes out there every year. And I mean, bless their soul, and I'm including in one of those. Yeah. But it really does. It changes the game of what's going on in the landscape, what the animals are doing. It's, it becomes a survival aspect for them because there's just guys on every fence row. There's yep. guys on every acre of, of public land. It, and it's a great brotherhood thing that it's fun to do. But we try to hit as much of both season as much as possible because that's when, you know, our tactics actually work. That's yeah. when the idea of like, you know, betting the feed, things, it's easier to plan those out versus right now. It's like, Hey, if you can just sit in the woods, something's going to happen. And it is really just a a lottery on whether that, that buck's going to run right past you or if he's going to jet off another direction. So it's, it's kind of up and down, but it is a big holiday here. And it's fun to get guys that, you know, they've been working hard all both season. They've been working hard early so they can take their week off and, I get it. Some guys just got to get out there and they're, they're meat hunters. I'm one of them. You know, if they want to get something, let's get it. Limited. But it does. Just the activity throws it all around. Yeah. But, uh, here in December, this is where it's really, especially here in Michigan, we switch over to muzzleloader, uh, second bow season starts. And it's one of those real, real nice aspects to get out and really just be like, okay, it's, it, it's back to a little bit more predictable hunting, but now the game is, is can you withstand the, yeah, the cold? Can, yeah. You know, it really separates the men from the boys when you get out there. Mm-hmm. Now you got yourself a, a muzzle loader and you're back to your bow and deer are still a little bit timid. So a lot yeah. of, a lot of, a lot of cold hours. Yeah. We, yeah. it's, we, we talked about that on the last couple podcasts about just rifle season in general. And, and we, I mean, it, it's not that I dislike rifle season because if I can carry a rifle, I want to carry one. I'm not to the point where I'm like, oh, you got to shoot it with, you know, a bow or whatever. But it just changes the animals up so much. If it wasn't for the deer camps, 
and the the memories and getting your families together and that kind of stuff. That's the real. I, I mean, that's the only real thing that I enjoy out of rifle season is that that part of it. Because as far as the hunting goes and stress levels, like you said, and then and there's just so many people in so many spots, it gets it's almost where it's not enjoyable. But when you get that camp part, uh, it makes it worth it for sure. You bet, you bet. And it's, I think it's a perspective thing too, because the way I look at it is, it's like it's really like shuffling the deck at that point. If my area has doesn't have the big bucks roaming, they've already yeah. bred the does at least in that my specific spot. Uh, you get a bunch of activity; it starts moving bucks all over the place. Now I got new bucks investigating my uh, piece of private, and at the same time, like a bunch of deer that trying to have the info on my piece of property are getting pushed over to public. So they're not looking for me. And, you know, those, the Karen though, that would always find a way to pick, you know, pick out my lucky spot. She's now gone, Yeah. but now I'm getting new bucks circling in. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, it, it takes the strategy out and it's more the luck of the draw when you get in there like that. I like that. The Karen though. Yes. I, I like that. <laughs> That's good, man. I, I think hunters are always, you know, kind of it seems like trying to be optimist you know like if you don't have any deer on camera or see anything you're like all right well rifle season's gonna change it up you know it's it'll get some activity push some deer and that then i'll see them um i don't know you almost have to be optimistic minded to be a hunter because if not it's you'd quit <laughs> you <know. laughs> i tell you well you have to you got to endure yourself you know it's a i mean there are blinds that you know two-man blinds and two-man stands but there's a lot of times of just self-reflection and, you know, at that point you really start to look at what, what you've done to prepare, what you've done in preparation for getting out there and to, to pursue these animals. And when things, when the playbook starts to fall apart, you know, you don't have the special team coach to look over and be like, well, it's his fault. And you don't have, you know, another guy to point, well, he told me to do this. No, this is all on you. This is an individual game on that. And I can see where, a lot of guys just get super frustrated and want to quit, and or they look forward to that that change up. So yeah, I think it's an iner- inherent thing that the hunters are are always going to have to be optimistic. I mean, we walk out in the dark on those morning walks, and it's cold. You're not fully awake yet. You didn't drink coffee because it's going to start to have you have the coffee runs there in a little yeah. bit. So <laughs> you know, you've got so much going against you. And you have to be optimistic to be able to get out there. And, you know, it's going to happen at some point. I think the patience game, hunters have to be super patient. Because you're going to have years like you guys are having. Just dry years. You just don't get an opportunity. I had an awesome experience with a buck at 70 yards for well over 15 minutes. And there's nothing I can do about it. It might as well have been 750 yards because I'm out there with a bow. So I have yeah. to then take that experience and enjoy that and love that. Because otherwise, if I'm upset that I missed my buck, well, it's like you couldn't have got it anyway. So why be upset? I saw where you guys, uh, you know, you had the family together when you were cutting up and processing the deer and talking about gun season and stress and deer running everywhere. Have you ever noticed a difference in um, the taste of an animal depending on the, the circumstances in which it died? You know, like uh, if it was a clean kill uh, versus, you know, a wounded deer that ran or got and jumped and, 
you know, I've heard that maybe the hormones and stuff can change the taste of the meat. Have you found that to be that, true at all? On the, yeah, on the domestic side, through uh, through my family's poultry farm, we can see that from animal to animal. As we get through the processing plant, we would come, we would get one that would come through, and the meat would be super dark. It would just be like a red tint, not only just on the dark meat, but even on the the breast meat and how stiff that bird would be. Like even though it went through, uh, it was it was overnight in a cooling tank, and so it had time to go through rigor mortis. It was still just stiffer and stiff. And man, it you cut into some of that meat, and it's like rubber bands pulling. It was, you could just see that shrink rate up, and that animal had either you know stressed out was dehydrated something happened uh to that animal that made basically the resulting uh product like basically ready for ground that's that's what we got to use that one for and it it really attributes to the condition of what that that animal was in so translate that into an animal that now you're you might be chasing it around it's getting pushed around. It's, it's rutting time. You're going to have these hormones that are going. I don't necessarily think that you're going to have to the extent of what this, this turkey was going through. But at the same time, you know, you mess up with a blade on that tarsal gland on that uh, back leg and you open that up. You know, you're going to spread. <laughs> you're going to get that oil all over the place. And you will taste that. That is some nasty stuff. Um if you get a buck that you've hit and then you got to leave overnight, you're going to notice a difference in that. If you didn't get that gut, uh, opened up, like we talked about that episode one, when I was on, um, pulling out that gut as quick as possible. Yeah. You, know, you got a night where that sits there, you know, there's a lot of gut and enzymes that are working and those inside tenderloins might not be as desirable, you know, the next day. Yeah. So there's a point where, uh, stress can develop enough to where you're going to notice something in the animal. If we're out there for, for gun season, it's cold, you're able to hang the animal for several days, you're going to work a lot of that out. Um, you get a good, you get a good cut on, um, a good shot, and a good bleed out of that animal, it's, it's going to work out fine. Um, I don't think it would be something that, uh, you know, a bunch of guys hanging out at deer camp. I give a stressed animal and a non-stressed animal. I cook them up the same. I serve it around and I tell you, you know, which was A, which was B. I I don't think you'd be able to, to take or to tell that. Yeah. But at the same time, like that is a factor that as we get into gun season and, you know, we have the ability to then with it colder, hang animals longer, you know, take the advantage of that. Really let that animal relax, really drain that animal of its fluid. So that you end up with a premium product. All right, I got a question for you. This is this is Kyle back with you. Hey, if you, how many kids you got, Nick? I got three kids. I got three boys. I got seven, five, and three. Okay, and well, I got I've, a house that's barely standing. <laughs> I've got I've got an ele- I've got an eleven year old and a three month old and a three month old teething and. Sweet Jesus! Oh I, had, my goodness. I had to step away for a little bit, trying to help help mom out, line him out. But no, uh, I was going to ask you. Uh, I watch Meat Eater quite a bit, 
and uh, they had an episode on his new episodes come out on Netflix. He, uh, <clears throat> they have deer, uh, raw deer in Pico de Gallo. Have you ever? Yeah. I was gonna ask. That's I was gonna ask you about tartar too. Right? What's it called, Joey? I don't know if it's tartar or if that's what yeah, it's called. I think it's the name is called tartar. Yeah, that was. I had that on my list to ask you. Jesse about Griffin. Yeah. Y'all yeah. don't. Y'all don't oh, look yeah. at the Jesse hunter board spot or, over there. In, y'all don't look at the hunter board's Instagram because he, oh, yeah. he yeah, him and his wife him about. and his wife had a nice fancy tartar dinner one night. I didn't yeah, know it was I, on my notes. That's, I don't know what I. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't know that's what they call tartar. I don't know if that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It is tartar. It's a. It's a dish. Uh, it's, I mean, yeah, real high end, real fancy. Um, my wife and I, you know, with the three kids, she was actually soccer coach for all three of the teams. And so like three nights out of our week, we're just gone. And it was, you know, I mean, we're, we're cooking up spaghetti one night Well, we're doing burgers, then we're doing spaghetti and we're letting that ground just move on its way down through the week. Um, but you know, it was one of those things where I wouldn't see my wife until bedtime, you know, and at that point it's like you kiss her goodnight and you go to bed cause you're just exhausted and you got to start over the next day. So I started doing like a, a mini date night. I can't, I can't get rid of the kids. I can throw them outside for a little while, but I can't get rid of them. And we can't go anyplace just because we're, we're at home with them. So I started just as long as I'm making dinner for them, I'm going to make something special and fancy for us. And so I picked like a Thursday night. Um, and one night we did wood duck. And I think uh, this came to the second night is I, on one of the weekend pri- or the weekend prior, I ended up getting my dough and I wanted to have that celebration meal and inside tenderloins usually seems to be the first thing that guys take off, cut that out little S and P hit it hard on the skillet you know, serve it up nice and rare, and that's your celebration meal. And a guy can suck down two tenderloins without thinking about it, even off of a huge buck. And I wanted to try and do something a little bit different. And that's where I wanted to take the idea, um, inspired a little bit by Jesse Griffith, like we were talking about on that yeah. media episode. Yeah. But tartar has been something that I've seen before, and I really wanted to give that a try. A, because it is, there's a little risque-ness to it, because it is raw meat that you're playing with, and so there's yeah. got to be, yeah. it's got to be that's pretty prepared. Ris- <laughs> that's, that's pretty risque. It's not a little risque. That's that's pretty risque. <laughs> of course, we're all from, I mean, I'm not I'm not German, and I'm not Catholic, but I know Yoey is, and, uh, you know, we all hang around with German Catholics all of our life, and they eat, we've seen a lot of the old-timers eat pork sausage right out the grinder. I mean, soon as oh, it, yeah. you know, so I know it won't kill you, kill you, but it's just like, it's kind of, it's still kind of iffy, you know what I mean? So, but, but go ahead. I mean, I know, what you, I know yeah. what you're getting at though. <laughs> it's a day ruiner for sure. Yeah. Um, but what I did is I ended up, you know, putting that animal down and brought the carcass back to my shop. I was actually going to have to quarter it out and then it spent the week in my refrigerator because it was warm. But what I did is I ended up cutting those tenderloins out immediately hitting them or cleaning them off, rinsing them off, hitting them with a little bit of vinegar. And I used red wine vinegar because I had it on the, on the shelf, put those in a bag, sealed it up. And those went right to the freezer for a week. 
you know, when you, if you're going to do a raw dish, like this isn't something you want to let just like that hang in your garage uh, for five days or even in some, you know, smelly beer, beer fridge, you're going to want to be able to, to take utmost care with this. So when I was presenting that post, I wanted to make sure that there was a disclaimer in there, at least that it's like, I don't want you to do this with any cut that you're just pulling out of the freezer. Like this is something you got to do right when you put that animal down, you get that, you know, shot of a lifetime, you watch the animal fall. This mm. is the time that you're going to do that. So I froze it for a couple of days. till we got to that Thursday night and actually oh, I pulled out the night before, put those in the uh, refrigerator. Cause again, cold in this whole preparation is going to be uh, key. Everything's got to be cold from the aioli that we end up making, which is basically this, it's like a mayonnaise. It's got to be cold to the meat being cold, even the plate that you're serving it on. The idea is, you know, bacteria control yeah. um, at this point. Nothing can bloom. You don't want anything to it to uh, start growing, and it's served immediately. So we get to the Thursday night. I pop the cork. Um, trying to remember. Pinot Noir. That was what I picked. I, I went back and forth with one of my uh, brother-in-laws. He's, he's a big wine guy. And so we went back and forth on which wine I should get. And so we went with the Pinot Noir and it was a real good balance between the venison and, uh, and the wine itself. It wasn't so dry that you couldn't taste the venison, but at the same time it, it just cut, uh, cut that flavor enough because it was a good balance. Yeah. Our, our but wine I, around I, here, we, we just have na- uh, family names that go with them. Yeah, there Bader, you go. Bader, the Bader's wine or Widenbender's wine. <laughs> Nick, I promise you, if we ever come there to where you're at, or you ever come down here, you will have some really good wine, brother. We, I'm uh, excited. There, I'm there's excited. a lot of a uh, can't find it in the store, but there's a lot of home brews around here, bud. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really good. But so you, you were oh, happy? Man. You were happy with how the tartar turned out? Yeah, I was getting just going to get quick into that preparation. Um, whip up the, the aioli. Um, basically, it ends up with uh, mustard, egg yolk, uh, capers, salt and pepper, and you just, I mean, you whip it. You just got to whip it with a whisk, and eventually that's going to start uh, thickening up. And then you, you're you going to add in your, your tenderloin, and the cool part about that is you don't grind it. I ended up basically chopping it on hand. So the wife's drinking, drinking wine, we're talking, and I'm basically making grind with a knife so, so you, like, you cut like, uh, it chopped onions you know like, exactly yeah yeah like that texture yeah. exactly so i cut against the grain and then with the grain and i just keep folding that over cut against cut with and eventually you end up the consistency you want brought all that together i took a piece of tin foil taped it together into a little disc pressed it into that disc pulled it out put a raw egg on top that's one of the traditional things that they do is you end up having the yolk there on top I had some French bread all done up, served that up, and man, it was just like a fancy meal right there at a steakhouse, but in my own kitchen uh, on a Thursday night. And it was just great to sit, chat with her, you know, be excited about, you know, this food that we're enjoying. And then it was kind of like the, so how do you think we're going to feel tomorrow? Ah, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, both of us woke up. We didn't have any issues. Uh, with, with feeling that, I mean, but at the same time, I only made one tenderloin. We didn't pork down on five pounds of this raw. Yeah. It was basically one dish. It was a celebration dish and it was, it was fun to do. Badass dude. And that's what, uh, I cooked today. I cooked all day and 
and my wife knows I love being in the kitchen. And that's what she was like. I told her today, I'm like, I, I just miss cooking. I ain't cooked in a while. And she's like, I can tell, I can tell. So it's really cool to have them date nights where you just slip off in the kitchen and drink you some wine or some beer or whatever and just cook some shit. And if it tastes good, it tastes good. If it don't, it don't. I mean, I'm sure in your case, it always tastes good. But uh, I, there's something. You get those every, yeah. yeah. My dog eats well. Let's just say that. My dog. There, there was something I seen the other day on the Food Network channel, and we tried it out on the road, and it tastes amazing. Uh, my dear chili recipe basically is three cans of ranch beans, three cans of tomato sauce, two pounds of deer meat, and that's about it. You know, you, you rinse water, two packs of Williams chili seasoning. I mean, it's been our Hankins chili tradition forever. That's what we cook our chili in. That's why we in a, yeah. in a can of Rotel. That's the way. That's how I cook my chili. <laughs> I seen on Food Network the other day. Don't laugh, Nick. It's good. It's a good recipe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it is. It's awesome. Shit just what got I love serious. about it is <laughs> no. you got it set to memory, and you're able to then whip that out and oh you know, yeah, dude. Something hey, it, I guarantee off. you, my nephews and nieces and my. My little my my little boy and all if, if I change it up they'd know it because that's all I've ever ate. But I seen <laughs> something on Food Network the other day and I tried it, and it is a big difference. Uh, we tried it on the road, and it substitute one can of regular beans for a can of refried beans. And oh my! You, and you wouldn't think it'd be that that different that much difference, but it's like game changer. Really, it gave yeah. it like a little more, like a pasty. Yeah, like, soup but it's chili. like, uh, oh my, I, don't, I can't even really explain it till you try it. But Guy Fieri was uh, used it yeah. in one of his cooking shows I watched on Food Network. I was like, holy shit, I'm like, whatever, you know. And I, I kind of like Googled it and, and dug into it a little bit. And uh, a lot of people do it. I didn't think, you know, but uh, it's a, it's big in like South Texas and stuff. So we tried it and it's, it was really damn good, man. We just got an old El Paso like can of traditional refried beans and dumped it in there. Damn, it's good, man. It, if I got to be in a duck boat, I can't think of a better guy out of that whole network than Guy Fieri. That guy, I would sit in any duck boat, any any deer blind. He sounds like a damn good time. I love that. Probably wherever he goes, he brings Flavor Town with. I'm all about that. Yeah, for sure. But hey, man, I got I got another question on a recipe that I seen on your page. This is the mullet, by the way, and it just kind of <laughs> intrigued me a little bit. And uh, it has something to do with some ramen noodles. Oh yeah, I want to know man, how that, that turned a, out, man. That was a blast. Way back that that brought me back ten years to college, and going because we had ramen basically just sitting on the shelf. And that was just one of those things between classes. If you didn't have time to get down to the mess hall, like you would, you just have a chance. You, know, you just big 30 cent bag of these ramen noodles. We had uh, the chicken, we had the beef and just had a whole assortment of them. And you just pulled them off and that's what you ate. And we would add a couple things to it. We'd add some Creole seasoning for something. We would, you know, if I had jerky. I'd always have jerky with me and we ended up throwing pieces of jerky in there. And yeah, just being college kids, basically surviving on junk till <laughs> till we got out of it. Right. Yeah. So this is my first venture back. My kids are wanting something something different. They still want noodles, and so the wife got a big pack of the the ramen, 
and then she got the beef ramen and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what? I've been seeing a lot of this, uh, I think it's faux or pho, uh, really kind of coming back into popularity. And basically it's a, a ramen dish that mm. you then add a whole bunch of stuff to it. So I was like, all right, let's, let's give this a shot. So I ended up using a piece of inside or the eye, eye round from the leg and cut that up into eight inch pieces and then put those in a marinade of, I mean, anything I was, I was going for like a, an Asian zinc thing. So we had, uh, frozen sauce. We had soy sauce. I had ginger in there. Uh, I had a little spring onion and then, uh, what did I, yeah, salt and pepper to finish it off. And basically I just left that in there for a couple hours pulled out those individual pieces, gave them a quick sear in a pan. And then I ended up taking the ramen and cooking that or adding the stock into what I left in the pan. So that's what I used to be glazed. Took all that marinade that I ended up cooking onto the pan, pulled that off. So now I had my finished noodle, added the, added the liquid back in, add the venison and I matchsticked a bunch of veggies, threw those on top, mixed that together. And man, that's something that you would get out of some high-end uh, little restaurant downtown, some boutique restaurant that's serving up this new Asian zing stuff. Like, again, you just made this in your home. I used a thirty pack or a thirty cent pack of ramen, and now I got this fancy dinner that I didn't expect that was coming. And that was a yeah, that's like a Tuesday saver right there. You just end yeah. up making everybody a little bit of that. You take some. Uh, marinated something that you had from from your deer pull that out of the freezer slice it up sear it up you can be done and out of the kitchen in 10 minutes it was All such right. a it was such an easy thing to do and it was like it just brought me back to you know heading to class that was the that was what i got from that. yeah it, look, it looked super good and you know i'm the pup in this group over here so ramen noodles that ain't that ain't too far in my past so i might have to bust that one out and try well, it. and it's different <laughs> you know like if you're going to eat a lot of deer meat like we we try to do, that's something real easy and cheap that you can change a whole different flavor. You know, well, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'm, hey, I'll tell you this right here. Spoiler alert: When I'm on the road, I eat ramen noodles a lot. Mm-hmm. The the spicy bowls, I get two of them. Yeah, yeah. And they're I get two of them for ninety eight cents a piece. Yep. And I'll take the all the flavoring packs out of both of them and put it in just one and throw the noodles away. I'll just double up the seasoning. Mm-hmm. It's still two bucks, and everybody's like, "Damn, Hankins, you 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 struggling this week? You you need some money?" I'm like, "No, dude, I love fucking ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches, yeah. dude." And they're like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah, for real." I grew up on this shit. I grew up on this shit. It, yeah. it looked super good. I seen that on your Instagram. Figured I'd I'd ask you about that one, dude. That man, I'm gonna have to try. Yeah, yeah I took some so here's notes. What I need you to do that, there. You've already got your emails going along with you. All we need now is you're gonna pre-set up your marinade you're going to pre-set up so you're going to get your pieces that you're going to use i would say use those uh eye rounds or even a piece off the leg you're going to get a little bit more uh, a toothiness off that they're not going to fall apart in a marinade especially if you end up freezing it in that bag but anyway mix up that marinade have your preset bags with the number of uh, ramen bowls that you're bringing seal those up freeze them Throw those in your cooler. That way, you don't have to have a, a freezer along with you in the 
pull those out, man. I'm sure you got some hot plate someplace. You just go ahead and sear up those little pieces, do what you've been doing, and mix in your venny in there, and now it's like high level. That is a that's good. Like there's seven, eight, ten of us that all travel together on the railroad, so it is handy piece of information though for sure. I had uh, one quick question uh, before we let you go. We're I know we had you on here a while, but I saw something on your Instagram, uh, basically where the cut comes from, I guess, but it was the venison flat iron Diane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you said it's a steak that you're cutting out of the shoulder. And, you know, so a lot of people yeah. end up grinding all the shoulder or, or smoking it whole, but um, I was just kind of curious where that, that piece comes from and, um, you know, try to get some more yeah. steak out of there. So, again, you know, I – being in the meat industry, you know, part of my, part of my downtime is, I'll, you know, I'll get on YouTube and I end up looking up like beef processing or lamb processing and how can I adapt that into venison. It's a, it's a kind of a quirk I have. And I know people are going to look at me and be like, dude, this, this guy's two steps away from being that serial killer Dexter, man. Mm-hmm. Get this guy away from me. Yeah. But at the same time, I did learn about, uh, the flat iron stink off of, uh, off of one of these videos. And you've got your blade, uh, basically your shoulder blade that we tried not to hit with the gun. We try not to hit with the bow. And so now I got this, this shoulder blade and there's a side that's flat and then there's a side with a ridge. And on top of that ridge, if you follow your knife, you're going to pull off what I refer to as the mock tender. And it starts as a tapered piece. That's a real good piece that you can go ahead and, uh, sear up quick. Uh, they call it a mock tender because, you know, you feed it to a bunch of guys that had a bunch of brewskis and they're going to think it's tenderloin. So, hey, mm-hmm. that's why we're going to call it the mock tender. Okay. On the other side of that, on the wider, uh, the wider side of that ridge is going to be the flat iron. The trouble is with that flat iron is it's run through the center with a piece of silver, silver skin or a tendon. Yeah. It runs all the way through that and it is you're not going to cook that out. Mm-hmm. So it's a real play with your knife. It's got to be real sharp. you got to be real precise. And that's why it helps to have a bigger animal. So you get a buck or something or even just a monstrous doe. And that's where I ended up getting this one from. And I ended up having to run my knife right between, right along where that silver skin is at and split that and so that I can pull that out. Now I'm left with um, a real, it's like a minute steak almost at that point. It's, thin but at the same time it's got a really good texture for you to then eat as a steak it's not going to be super chewy and so if you're looking for less grind you're looking to try something new that's the one thing i want you to look up is try to find where these um where to be able to get the the flat iron from that iron cut yeah so anyway ended up taking that and that was really just a, a sear in a pan and then take what I left in the pan and create that pan sauce. Mm-hmm. And that pan sauce is basically I'm taking stock, throwing it in there. I'm throwing um, I'm throwing a mustard. I'm throwing in a little bit of uh, tomato paste. And then I'm hitting it with heavy cream and finishing off with a boatload of um, black pepper. That's one thing. I, I just love black pepper. But that comes together into a sauce. And in a traditional steak Diane's, that was it was really popular back in like the fifties at steakhouses. They would end up cutting the filet mignon, having this steak sauce, and they would then 
basically finish these steaks in the sauce. And so they bring it to you and it's in that. And so that was kind of my nod to, you know, season was kicking off and I was kind of mixing high class with uh, blue collar at that point. You know, I'm doing a high-end dish, but at the same time, this is a hard-working muscle, but at the same time, we found the tender part of it. So that was kind of my play on it at that point. But that's something you can do with any piece of steak that you're going for. You know, once you're done searing it in that pan, um, turn around and then make yourself a sauce. Add the stock in there, deglaze all that fond that's on the bottom of that pan. Don't just scrape it off and throw it away and be done with, you know, just your dry steak. And I know it's big in the South and especially Texas. They're like, Hey, this barbecue, you don't have sauce. This is different. This is not barbecue. This is steak. And we want to be able to not just add flavor to mask it, but we mm-hmm. want to emphasize that. Yeah. 10, four dude. Hey, I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, we got a, several great ideas and hell yeah, notes man. we took today. So, uh, we'll get you on again and add some more to our cookbook, man. For real, dude. No, perfect, I'm, I'm, thank perfect. you, thank you for mentioning us back today. Uh, the pork butt turned out great, and the barbecue sauce turned out great. Uh, the butcher butter turned out great. It was. I'm I'm glad I got you on speed now, man. <laughs> you betcha. Anytime, boys. It was fun to hear from you. I, uh, we got small games starting up here, so get ready to get weird. We're going to be doing some squirrel and rabbit stuff. Or at least I want to be doing some squirrel and rabbit stuff here soon. So All hopefully right. I can uh, get that over to you. Hey, well, uh, tell us how we can find you on social media, and then we'll wrap it up, bud. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm really kind of hanging out at uh, uh, Instagram. I'm over there at, at Huntivore. Um, if you got questions or you want to, you know, look me to look into something or give you some pointers, be sure to DM me. I'm not, I'm not super fast on it, but I, I try to answer everything that I can. I'm on Facebook as well. Um, big part of Sportsman's Nation, I tell you, they're a bunch of relatable guys that just adore the outdoors. We got full-time jobs, but man, we put a bunch of effort into our passion, which is uh, just hunting and fishing. So head over to Sportsman's Nation. You can find my stuff there. I got a couple recipes written, you know, and here we're getting closer to January and having resolutions. I'm thinking one of mine is I got to start writing stuff down. So hopefully I can get on that and get some stuff written down for folks here soon. All right. All right, buddy. Well, I sure appreciate you being on, man, and we'll see you next time, brother. All right. Take care, guys. See you, Nick. A long December, and there's reason to believe this year will be better than life. I can't remember. When you got a lot of tags in your pockets. <laughs> yeah. You got a lot of tags in your pocket. This is what goes through my head. Dude, I could make a whole big old Subway Jimmy John's fucking firehouse sub sandwich right now with the fucking tags I got in my pocket. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Long December, cold, deer spooky. Spooky. I like hunting. Like I like it, but man, there's spooky. Yeah. What you, <laughs> yeah, you see glimpses of it. <laughs> the places that me and Yo-Yo went today, we only seen like four deer. I think I saw a half a tail. 
<laughs> I think yeah. that's all I saw. Yeah. No, we've seen that one. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen a couple. Well, I mean, I seen I made a big cruise this morning. I seen a few, but but we are joined in the studio now by the one and the only Chad Davis. Chad Davis. What's up, Chad? Not much. How's it going? Good, man. I know you've had a all jokes aside, dude, I know you had a pretty rough last couple of months and I'm glad to see you rebounded and and uh I'm glad to see you're back with us and and joining us, man, and our thoughts and prayers are still with your family, brother. Thank you. And uh, we love you, and I'm glad you're here, man. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. It's Got been it. a long couple of weeks. I imagine, yeah. Like, but you, <clears throat> they want you to go, you know, every, yeah. they want you to enjoy it. They want you to, yep. you know, it makes you realize that, hey, we need to we need to lock in and, and do stuff that we enjoy and be around yep. people we love. Cause, for sure. For sure, man. Uh, But I, I've seen you had a you had a pretty good kill. Couple days ago, yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. <laughs> how, many, how many deer total this year? Two is that two? Yeah, already? that's my second one. I I got one more. Your buck done, huh? Yeah. Nope. Mm. Yeah. I don't have. I don't know if I've ever done that. Maybe had two bucked in one year. I done it last year. Did you? I ain't done this year. I ain't, I ain't bunch tagged this year. Well, the, the last time I've tagged out, you know, with my buck tags was the last year. You could shoot three. I think yeah. it was in 2016. I shot three eight points. Three, I don't. You could never shoot three. Yeah. What yeah, year you did could. you do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it was 16. Yeah. Then like the, then the year after that they swapped it to just two, which is way better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two is definitely where it needs to be, if not less. But yeah, no more than two. So now I'm on Doe Patrol. Yeah. <clears throat> well. Have you been on since you had the bow kill? No. Yet. I don't think so. No. Uh-uh. When mom was in bad shape. Uh, tell us about the bow kill. I mean, I know it wasn't <clears throat> your biggest deer, but no. it was a good deer. Yeah. I mean, it is. Uh, I've been hunting public land, you know, for a few years. I've, yeah. pa- I've passed up a lot of bucks bigger than the one I shot just because I've been after a certain one. Yeah. But that day I was like, man, it's. Halloween, I've been hunting over here for five years and ain't try to, ain't filled my tag over here. And I had that buck come in about 10, 15 yards and just stop broadside. I thought, well, I guess I'll let one fly. Smoked him. Shot, mm-hmm. shot him and, <clears throat> and it's like a mile and a half back there. So I was like, screw that. My knee ain't that strong. Yeah. Took this thing all the way back. <laughs> right. So I got to hold some buddies and we hauled out, you know, by the river, but... It wasn't, you know, it wasn't huge, but it was. It got my adrenaline pumping, so I was like, "It's good enough." Mm-hmm. What broad did you shoot? Uh, cutthroat. Cutthroats. Hundred and fifty okay. grain. First, it, first deer with them, or yeah, that was a. It's like a fixed blade, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like a. They're they're heavy. They're heavy, ain't they? Yeah. I mean, it looks like an arrowhead, basically. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what do you think? I I liked it. I mean, I shot my shot placement was a little high, but I mean, once it started bleeding, it was a good blood trail. But probably the first forty yards, there wasn't much blood. Really? But whenever he finally started bleeding out, it, it you know it was gushing out pretty good. Yeah. I'm just using my swackers, you know, two inch cut. Yeah. You know, these here only maybe a little over an inch. Yeah. Well, that's why I shot that deer that doe last year with the muzzy one. And like first 10, 15 yards, I thought I missed her. 
I was like, there's no way I heard it hit, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't find the arrow, though. But, like, first 10, 15 yards of the trail she took, I'm like, I didn't see no blood. And then when I got past 15 yards, it was just like a just pouring out of a milk jug. It was it was crazy. Well, we talked about this earlier, but I think, I think a lot of people give up on blood trails or don't put enough time into looking. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, Especially during rifle season. Yeah. I mean, if you – I don't know. If you pull the trigger on one, you need to give it your due diligence to 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 make an effort. Yeah. Um yeah, it's but some of them are hard. We you know, we talked mm-hmm. about it last podcast, I think where we had some double back on on their own trails and, and different things, but it's uh yeah. Sometimes they can be tough, but you overall like the arrow the setup did a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lot slower than what I'm used to. Yeah. But I think if I ever, you know, put myself in a situation where I don't get a good shot placement, say if I go too far forward and hit shoulder, I think it'll go through no problem. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you this then. <laughs> You've got one shot at a 180-inch class buck. What are you going to shoot? With the bow? Schwackers? <laughs> uh, or... Your I think I, I think I'm a probably go with the cutthroat. Really? Because I've I mean the last couple of deer I've had two deer get away from me with my swackers. Really? I mean, I, and I hit them. You know, it's just it just like one time I hit a shoulder bone and it didn't it didn't go in, but yeah. maybe just three inches. I just think that the swacker when you're shooting a lot of arrow, it just ain't got enough energy behind it yeah. to go through because you're losing energy when you're opening up. You know, on impact. Mm-hmm. So I just think, you know, being a lighter arrow behind it, it just can't do it. Yeah. But then if you go with the heavier arrow on the swackers, then you're, you know, you really need to be shooting faster if you're shooting expandable. Yeah. So you don't really want to go too heavy because then it slows you down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to see what the sever is going to do. <clears throat> um, yeah. I got to get, I got to get an arrow on something. Somebody does. <laughs> I've got one deer and. The girls have gotten picky on me this year. Yeah, and uh, we're used to, we're used to getting about two or three, and that's about what we eat. And right now we're <laughs> behind the game. That and and the youth seasons, both of them, Halloween and Thanksgiving weekends. Yeah, which I can see some in some ways could benefit some people, but for us it it takes away a lot of hunting evenings. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got family dinner, Thanksgiving, Halloween. Uh, it just it takes. Uh, on the other side, maybe you're coming in to see family, and you're getting to hunt while you're home. Yeah, you see that too. But for well, us, the, the, it, they shouldn't be like that. Although it should be, who I mean, honestly, who lives here? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, it and uh, it's definitely set up not good. Hmm. Which we can alternative season now. You got opt. I mean, even a youth can get out and alternative hunt. Yeah. Uh, you know, muzzleloader for mo. I mean, muzzleloaders a little big, little a lot of kick. You know, but um, you know they got some of those AR pistol platforms and different options. Um, I think it'll be all right if it's not too cold. Getting kids out there that late cold. I just wonder why they. Uh, Cause then it used to be like in January. 
Yeah. I want to say when I used yeah, to the use light money, use season. January. Yeah. So like January second and third or, or something like that. Second and third. Yeah. I remember my last youth hunt. I it's snowing. I blasted a doe. But, but now they <clears throat> they've changed it. It just it just got over with. Well, tonight was last night. Yep. Now your dad doesn't hunt, does he? No. So who who was who took you hunting for the first time? Well, I think my my grandpa actually took me for the first time. He had mm-hmm. to I wasn't tall enough to walk through the grass, so he had put me on his shoulders. Yeah. But uh I went bow hunting with him just a couple of times and I'd always go rifle hunting with him, but uh he's not much of a hunter either. So I Kevin's what who taught me everything. Yeah. Yeah. He's who I shot my first deer with and taught me everything I know. Yeah. Yeah, that's like for dad it was his uncle. Yeah. So, grandpa didn't hunt much, but <clears throat> Uncle Urban did. But yeah, it's interesting to see how they who gets who gets that spark going. Mm-hmm. It's like uh like Kevin, he got me like a little kid bow one year for my birthday. I don't even know how old I was. I was real young and he took me bow hunting with him and you know, in my mind I was bow hunting. You know, I thought I was gonna be able to shoot a deer. Mm-hmm. You know, with that little kid bow. Yeah. Which, you know, you obviously can't. But he let me go tag along with him. He had a bow, too. And he had a doe come up 20 yards. And I went to get my little bow. And <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, I think it's going to be a better shot for me. He said, give a little limp, some limbs in your way. So he, he pulled it back and shot it. You're like, bullshit. <laughs> you can see clear as hell. <laughs> but, but no, nah, you know what he's talking about, dude. <laughs> And like looking back, I'm like, there wasn't no way I could shoot deer with that little bow anyway, with them yeah. little old field tips. I didn't. But now you know what to do when you have kids. You know yeah. what I mean? I mean, it was a cool experience. But that's that's the thing with me. Like, for me though, I have an 11 year old boy and I got a three month old. My 11 year old boy, back then, when he was born, I was so worried about the kill. I was so worried about killing something tagging out seriousness and all this i didn't want to take him until he could mind or nothing like that now when jb is one year old next year two years whatever i'll have him in the shooting house or i have him in a blind with me just to get him out there and established in the woods because Waylon, he's just now it's 11 years it took him 11 years he's just now getting to where he's okay he, he's ready he, he wants to go hunting you know, yeah. so, but that's, I blame it on myself because back in the day I was like, I don't need no fucking kids out there with me. I need to, you know, <laughs> yeah, I want to kill want- a deer. I want to, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be quiet. He can't be quiet. He talks all damn time, blah, 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 blah. But now I realize that it was my, it's, it's partly my fault that he don't yeah. enjoy hunting as much as I'd like him to, because I never took him out there with me, you know, and, but JB, <laughs> That little one in there? No, he, yeah. It's all the time going to be hunting. See, Dad had me in some <clears throat> some pretty sketchy stands and stuff back when I was young. Oh, I can imagine. Things. And, but when I got my kids, it, I was, my initial thought was just, because they started young, you know, six, seven. Uh, like Carly, Carly went when she was six and got a deer. Um, Callie's not ready at six, you know, just different personalities but um it was all about making it comfortable enjoyable instead of you know getting in there and trying to get him a big buck or yeah. whatever 
Yeah. Because you, know, you got to get them, you got to get them used to it and enjoying it first, and then then they can decide if they want to put in time to to get a maturity or yeah. you know to really hunt. You know. And yeah. Carly's wanting to get into a stand next year. We've always done ground blinds. <laughs> now she's wanting to move into a stand. So. I remember back before I even got real into hunting, Kevin, he'd shoot a deer at the bow or whatever, and yeah, I was back when we lived out there in the country by the farm. He'd come down there and get me, and he'd say, hey, can you help me track this deer? Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and he'd have me basically track that deer all by myself, mm-hmm. get to the deer, and his gun already, or his bow already be sitting on a deer. Yeah. Because you already found this, and he's like, yeah, I was just testing you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that... <clears throat> that's a big though i mean yeah like my dad and i remember me and cody talked about this me my dad and billy both whenever we got to the deer whether we, you know if i shot it dad or billy would step in and field dress it it was like a race you know like a oh here's my method and, and they just yeah i field dressed it in seven and a half minutes yeah and we never got to do it so i you know i'd killed three or four deer and never really got a chance to even attempt at it. And then I shot one in the hills and I had to, and I mean, I'd seen it, but it was different, you know, not having somebody watching me and, and showing me how to do it. But yeah. Getting on that blood trail. That's a good idea. Really. Mm-hmm. Even if you found it. And that's what, you know, kind of like what Renella says on the meat eater. I've took Wyland out and uh, I took him bow hunting several times this year. And he's not had any luck. And I had to work all rifle season. Took him the, I got home Monday, the last Monday of rifle season. And I took him Tuesday, Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon. And I took him during the youth season. Anyways, no luck, you know. And. I was just sitting there cussing myself like, God, you can't even put him on one doe, you know? Yeah. But then I was thinking, Ranella, always, you know, he's always about embracing the suck. You know, if you get a, if you get a deer on the first day, or if if I was take out take one out there in 30 minutes and his first hunt and he kills one, you know, kills a doe or whatever, 30 minutes, you don't expect that every time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So see, it may it may be all right for him to suffer because it was four or five years before I killed my first year. Yeah. Well, when when we were hunting, it, there was no doe no doe tags at all. No, it was it, know, was it was buck only. It was buck only, and it was what six inch spike. No, it was just spike. You could see the horns, visible horns. No, I think it was six inches. Really? I think the spikes had to be six inches when I was little. Really? I'm pretty sure because I shot. Uh, well, the first year I killed was six point, but I thought. I, it was a little bit old basket six point, but uh, I I didn't think it was any point restriction antler restriction on no. six inches long. It could be a spike. Yeah, as but long as spikes was, yeah. had to be yeah. six inches. Okay, which is about the length of the ear. Yeah, is what. But because I one of the ones I'd shot, um, my dad blood trailed and found before me in the dark, and he shoved the spikes down in the mud. You know, like the way the deer laid over, and so it looked like a doe laying there. He had the ears laid out, and he's like, "Hey, I found your deer, son." I'm running over this through the woods, and he's like, "You? Sh- I thought you said it had horns." I was like, "It did," but it was 
like twilight when I shot, you know, when I young and I yeah. thought I saw spikes that were long enough. Yeah. Pretty sure, you know, I was confident and took the shot, but then dad buried them in the mud and I ran up there and looked and it didn't have any horns. I was like, oh man, I'm in, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. I was in bad trouble. He was, he was best yeah. though. Oh sure. yeah. He just, just tested me. Uh, so Bo, Chad, that was about 20 years before you was born. <laughs> Chad got a, the bow kill. Um, I sh- shot and missed the deer during rifle uh, up in the hills. I rattled one in and uh, had a gun misfire. Have y'all had that happen? Uh, No. I've had it on I duck hunting. but Duck hunting. Never rifle or muzzleloader, neither one really. Well, it's... Uh, uh, two seventy. It's just a savage um, access, you know, to you know a good solid gun. Nothing oh, yeah. crazy expensive, but nothing cheap either. But um, I'm not real sure. I don't know. I um, pulled the trigger and it clicked, but uh, it didn't go off. Um, it did not hit the uh, primer. No dent in the primer. And then that same shell shot the next time I put it through. Uh, so I'm saying, you know, sighting it in and everything, shot it at least eight, eight or ten rounds with no problems. The one time I'm shooting at a living it, animal, it's, it's the it it would have been the biggest uh, deer I've gotten out of the hills for sure, and maybe my biggest deer period. Really? Yeah, he was good. He was a really good deer, but uh, it clicked for whatever reason. Didn't go off. Chingus too mighty. <laughs> yeah. Damn. He, uh, I was sitting on watching a creek bottom by his saddle and rattled, and, uh, I heard him start coming down creek, and creek bottoms are usually pretty brushy, and I had a couple, you know, shooting lanes picked out. And when he ran through, it's probably, uh, it's only 50, 60 yards. He's on the trail, and, um, I used the first two shooting lanes to see what he was, was he big enough, you know, a mature deer that I wanted to shoot. And then he stopped and he made a scrape, um, but he was too thick to shoot, but I could see his horns and he different angles. And then I was like, oh, shit, yeah, he's he's real good. Had one more shooting lane and got there and he stopped and said pulled the trigger and nothing happened. Mm. And uh, he ran about 30 or 40 yards when I – put the next shell in and uh too brushy to shoot and he dropped in the creek and that was it was gone shit yeah that sucks man so mikey was up there with y'all yep yep did uh did he see any does or did he oh yeah he saw deer he uh saw deer saw uh 10 or 12 hogs i think couldn't get a shot at the deer or was he wanting a big one uh, he was uh, he was just learning like how everything works. Yeah, you know, because it's just a little different when you're backpacking stuff in and out, and um, because you can shoot the hogs, I you know, and and he didn't because he wasn't sure if he should or shouldn't. Yeah, and um, so I don't know. He and he saw some deer, but again, he was like, you know, that he didn't know where who would help him and how to do it, and um after he got a few days of experience and stuff and and we talked 
he's got it figured out. I think he'll be back. I think he's in. Yeah. yeah I think he really liked it. And then Chad got a deer rifle season, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, so what, he said every time you <clears throat> ask him about a deer, he's like, yeah, yeah. what's up? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he had a, he looked like an old fighter. Um, yeah. And, and was busted up on one side, but uh, if he matched sides, what do you think score-wise? I think he'd be uh, high 130s. I think yeah. he'd be close to 140s. Okay, yeah. He held his mask just like my 10-point from a couple of years ago. The yeah. one that Kyle shaved? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one I gave a haircut to? Yeah. No, I, that's what I was thinking. I, I would say he'd be about 130, 140. I mean, if you look at pictures from this year's rifle buck to you know two years ago to that Big Ten – I mean, he was similar, you know, yeah. only he would just been an eight, but yeah. he held his mass all the way through. But, uh, no, I, I really didn't know he was broken until I walked up to him. I didn't. Oh, really? I, I didn't have a whole lot of time to look or look him over before I shot. But, uh, luckily, that was the first deer I've ever shot that didn't drop. Yeah. So I was kind of nervous that I might have missed him. <laughs> But at the same time, I was like, well. The first one I didn't just first kill one, stone cold I didn't just fucking, fucking dead. Right I didn't just fucking murder. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking Tupac and Big Ear. It's the first, first deer I've ever shot where I didn't hear someone go, finish him. Fatality. Fatality. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, it kind of, kind of, yeah, it kind of confused me. It ran. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, I mean, he was two hundred and fifty yards, so it wasn't no, you know, big shot. But he, uh, he jumped up real high and kicked. So I was, like, I know I got him, but you know, he, he, you know, kept running after that, and I, well, something's up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that's the first one I've ever had. That didn't, really? That ran I mean, off. How many deer have you shot? You think? Oh. Too many to count. I mean, I, I normally when I was younger, I was filling all my tags every year, bow tags. Yeah, yeah well, just a guess. Uh, I'd thirty, least, forty, yeah, thirty, forty, fifty. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, probably three, three years ever since I've been, uh, you know, legal to hunt. Yeah. So, so you, and that's the first one you've had run off. Yeah. Every one I've ever shot's dropped. Gun with the rifle. Oh yeah, with the, with with the rifle. rifle. Okay. Now with the bow, okay. I've had them. But know. still, that's a lot with the rifle. Yeah. So you killed that one about the same spot. You killed the one forty. Same same stand, I but thought. he was on the opposite side of the field. But uh, I talked to Levi the other day, and I got the <laughs> I got the coordinates. <laughs> I, told, I thought that was about the same damn same damn place. I told Steve the other day because. Uh, you know, I, I hunt my grandma's and some other spots, so, you know, I don't really have my spot, you know, on Bill's ground, so but that's where I normally hunt if I do hunt on his ground, so at, this year, he's been, ha he's been letting some other people hunt back there and then, uh, hunt some other spots I've been hunting, and so I thought, okay, they're gonna go back here and shoot old Hoss back there, uh -huh. but, uh, Steve's like, oh yeah, they've been seeing a good buck back there, but it's been too far for him to shoot so that's why i was that morning i shot that buck i was looking at my my box of shells that you know on the trajectory yeah because yeah. i'd already had it ranged out it was gonna be like 385 to 400 yard shot yeah where that buck where they keep seeing that buck at i told steve i said i'll let him hunt it 
I said, but when I hunt bait ground, it ain't safe. Yeah. <laughs> I think I ain't going to let it get out of the field if it walks out. So I was looking at my, you know, uh, box of shells and figure out how much I need to aim up. And mm-hmm. it was going to be like 20 inches at 400 yards. And then as soon as I put my box of shells back up in my backpack, I looked up and that buck stepped out at 250. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll take that shot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I was surprised to see him but that's my second hunt back there behind the shot yeah normally i don't like to go back there at all until midweek you know if rifle season let some of that pressure push a deer my way yeah but it had hunters in it all weekend so yeah didn't, yeah so i was like well i kind of i got there late too i got there right at daylight i went in the stand 10 minutes before i shot yeah but you lucky son of a bitch <laughs> yeah. of course i mean i killed that eight I killed that one in there. I killed him. I think I was in the stand like six minutes, seven minutes. Honestly, like I was, I shouldn't have been fucking driving. (laughs) We had a hell of a party over here. And then I got in the tree stand over the morning and shot it. Oh, not before. Yeah. What did, uh, so you said you didn't know had, so if you hadn't seen it, it's on our Instagram. You can uh, go check it out, Facebook. But one, almost all, everything's broke off one side, right? Mm-hmm. So you got a brow time and the main beam. Is that all that's on the I one think side? Even, I think even the brow time kind of broke off. I think there's still maybe an inch of it. but yeah. So you didn't know it was that way when you shot? <clears throat> no, it's on the, the opposite side of the, yeah. you know, but it just come out and uh, by the time it, the time interval between when it came out mm-hmm. and the time I shot was just probably maybe a minute. Yeah. And he was on the move the whole time until I finally did, like finally did shoot at him. Mm-hmm. But he uh when he looked at me, it was just right at daylight. Yeah. And uh I was like, Well, I don't know what he is. Mm-hmm. But he's as wise as ears at least, so yeah. I'm gonna take my shot. See what <laughs> so after you saw him, after you shot him, if you had got a good look at him, <clears throat> would you shoot him again? Ah, uh, yeah, I would, cause Wouldn't. I mean he was a, he had some age on him. Mm-hmm. He had, you know, he was a good deer. I mean it, I mean it had, add character, I guess. But yeah. I mean I, I do wish he wasn't broken. Yeah. But, oh yeah. But sure. uh, I mean any, any buck you know you get of that caliber. Yeah. Is still good. Yeah, and and. <clears throat> Don't think we're being hypocritical. We preach about hunt what you want and kill what you want and hunt how you, and we believe that. We just, a lot of us, we've hunted long enough that, you know, we're looking for a more mature deer or we'll fill our tag with a doe at the end of the season or, or that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So, well, it's but, like, uh, you seen that video I posted of that buck open in the morning? Yeah. That's probably about a, I had 115 to 120, you know, eight point. If he wasn't all broke up, you know, big body deer. I had him at 10 yards. You know, I took video of him, and you know, and that buck got shot the next day. Yeah. By the guy on our property. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't nothing to be mad about. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't ever get too mad about stuff like that. <laughs> That's um. I had uh, Kelsey hunting there a couple of days ago when she got hit with the scope. Um, and she shot at a deer. He's an eight point, and he's—I I would say score wise, he's like in 
120s ish <clears throat> range, but it's probably the oldest deer. It's older than any deer I've ever killed. Mm. You know, you can just tell by the way it looks and seeing it in person for sure. But game camera pictures, it's an old deer. Uh, I'm surprised it lived that long yeah. up in that area because mm-hmm. there's so much. A lot of pressure. So much pressure. But I was, uh, I know you went to the, the hills opening weekend, but I was really surprised on how good the deer movement was. Oh, here? Yeah. the How good it the movement was and, you know, and how good the. You, you know the bucks was responding to rattling and you know grunts and yeah i mean i think we just i mean we timed it just right you know rut wise i think they're i mean they were chasing real good opening weekend but yeah weather was good so y'all had several good good deer taken on y'all's place yeah we had three how much was how much calling was involved calling yeah rattling calling whatever uh or, i mean i or you just heard other people had success with uh, I mean, I've every I've the opening weekend I've I've seen three one twenties, and every one of them I either growled in or I just grunted, and you know within thirty minutes later they were coming in. But uh, I mean, all the bucks shot on our land. The, the guys that shot them, I know they don't do no calling or you know they're kind of old fashioned. Yeah. But I mean, I've I seen a lot of bucks opening weekend in the week. You know, got pretty bad with that full moon, but. Pick back up. <clears throat> well, that deer I missed, um, I rattled in, and then the next evening, uh, I ended up filling my tag, and uh, I rattled that deer in too. <clears throat> uh, and then a couple small deer uh, throughout the week. So, I rattled four different bucks in total. Um, but the one I shot, so I already missed the day before, I had that misfire on, and what would have been. I think was a really good one. Um, and I was in uh, a really good spot. Um, that I've had success and good sign in the past. Got settled in, and I'm kind of sitting up above a water hole, like on a cliff, thirty about 30 feet up above the water. Mm-hmm. And um, I can see a long ways. Uh, so we're talking about in the timber, and I can shoot. I could shoot... Three, I could shoot 300 yards, uh, which is a pretty good poke, you know, in the yeah. timber. Uh, but rattled, it was quiet, and I heard the deer get up out of his bed and start barreling downhill right away. It, it took about two or three minutes to drop down all the way to the bottom, but it was snapping branches and coming in uh, pretty quick, and I... Uh, wasn't going to make the same mistake where I used up all my good shooting lanes to see what it was. And so I really got on it hard and binoculars and I picked up it. I was like, it's a shooter buck, you know, through the, through the brush. I was like, he's got potential to be a really good deer, but he's not a a little deer. And then when he's gotten the first opening, um, let it, you know, let it go and uh made a good shot and it took off and um it's a good solid deer but if i'd had a better look at it i probably would have not shot it just because of where we were at and the time of the week and um that kind of stuff but he's a good good solid deer was there a was there a lot of acorns up there everywhere i noticed uh 
you know, out there at the farm, I mean, it's just overloaded with acorns. And it really messed me up a lot this year. But uh, I went, second weekend, I went to Ellington. And up there, or at least the area we hunted, you know, you'd you'd walk a few ridges and you might find a good white oak that'd have some acorns. And other than that, there wasn't near as many up there compared to back here at home. Yeah. Have you, Kyle, have you looked at Onyx? Um, they added a new layer uh, for um, acorn trees. No. Have you seen that? Um, anyway, it's just a, a filter you can add to your maps. And uh, basically, I guess what they do is they take uh, satellite images in the winter and oak trees and stuff carry their leaves. Yeah. And they shade the areas that have hardwood oaks and acorn producing trees like a, high, like a high concentration of them yeah well i mean it's it's down to pretty small parcels like really like let's take like heisers for instance i'll yeah. pull it up here in a minute and show you but it'll show you uh where oak trees are concentrated on that property even on that <clears throat> little bit of woods pretty neat and it's pretty accurate i've been you know i've mm. I've had oak trees marked and looked at it and, and overlays and um, pretty pretty accurate, you know, Man. for something on a mass scale, you yeah. know, is like that, that is. Is that on the, the Elite one? Uh, I, I just upgraded mine the other day because I thought about buying some Arkansas tags. Yeah. So I get, you know, another buck. But. Mm-hmm. That's all you need, another buck. <laughs> yeah. Getting greedy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I figured I'd need another buck. I'm ready to get back after them. I've kind of tagging out early in rifle. That's another reason why I think I would have passed that deer if I had a good look at him is because you miss so many days. I mean, yeah. there's no other option, you know. Like to me, though, like I love bow hunting. I do. I love it. But like in the years past, though, for me, my favorite time to hunt is muzzleloading season because it's colder. And I, yeah. I, I love muzzleloading hunting. I do, I do because there's not as many people in the woods. The deer ain't as skittish. It's, the hunting's totally different, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's and if you get on the deer, I mean, you're on them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I've had some of my favorite hunts um, in the peach orchards with the mm-hmm. muzzleloader, and Billy will just say, go check out these two, you know, like uh, this block area. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you kind of play cat and mouse, get the wind right, you know, drive around and just kind of stalk through the orchards and uh and you know you just all you got to do is get one mm-hmm. uh, to stand in the right place and dude that it's is pretty fun that is badass yeah it's pretty cool right that dude, app. that's cool man i don't know how i mean you'll have to check and see how accurate it is on yours but because uh, that's how oh. they that's how <laughs> they uh decided and some of the farms i hunt i know for sure that that's you know, pretty dang accurate as far as where the oak trees are and the acorns. But, you know, if, especially and if you're hill hunting mm-hmm. and, and if it's a light year or whatever. I mean, I always mark or try to mark on the ground that I hunt often, um, you know, certain certain trees for whatever reason deer seem to hit, like in the hills. There's certain trees that they hit. I mean, you can see all the sign. You can see the leaves turned up. You can see the tracks and the poop, and you're like, why Why this oak tree and not that oak tree? But for whatever reason, you know, after a couple of years, you see it, and I'm like, okay. So I just start marking them on my Onyx, hmm. 
and and uh, just try to piece together a pattern, I guess. And uh, late season helps with that too. You know, you you see where they're at late season, and then I think Kyle's already done it, but I'm going to do it this winter. Is uh, there on my brother-in-law's after season is just onyx and mark every deer trail. Mm-hmm. You know, like find the major trail and just walk it and follow it and track it and leave well, it on your map. When you're trying to build like a little hey, state. When you're Chad Davis, you ain't gotta do that. <laughs> yeah. You gotta do all that shit. I mean it's, just it's all in my head. <laughs> show up, you know. <clears throat> fucking sling arrows. No, I gotta pay real quick. Like back to the acorns. Uh like I normally hunt his little red. Yeah. See that's that's pretty right. You know, on the farm there. Uh, like, back to the acorns, though, like, uh, I normally hunt, you know, on years we have decent acorns, I I normally hunt, you know, white oaks pretty hard. But, uh, you know, I had luck with it a few hunts, but the I got a red oak by one of my food plots. Yeah. And them dang deer, they're tearing up that red oak, or the acorns really? from that red oak, better than they are the white oaks yeah and i've always i've always you know been told growing up you know if you opposite you know try to find the white oaks and you find the deer and it's you know proven to be true over the years but this year it's kind of been on the red oaks i found uh i think it's called a swamp oak um out at wilhelmina i think they're um they're real big mm-hmm. uh, maybe a swamp oak um and there's not very many in this. It's like an eighty-eight block, eighty-acre block of woods, and um, I found a couple. But man, when they hit them, um, it's that tree. You know, that's the tree you need to be on. And I think that's something growing up where we did hunting ag fields. I've known I've had to learn a whole lot about hunting deer in the hills and wooded area and acorns and you know, like um, Jonathan Moreland talked about in the river bottom was finding that that the tree you know the tree they're on and that's something that i'm really just now kind of figuring out mm-hmm. daffron got him a good deer uh yeah. this year yes he, got, he did he got two uh, i think we got him on the instagram page but uh he got a bow kill in uh, public ground in arkansas and a good solid one and then he killed an Maybe one of the oldest six points I've ever seen uh, in the hills this year. That was a big six. Yeah, big six. It was a big one. Uh, the Wapsie Bottom boys up in Iowa, they've killed a bunch of good deer. Uh, Bauer, he didn't tag out. No, he's been on that. He's, he's been running that equipment. He's been on the struggle bus. He's mm-hmm. he's driving the fucking bus that I'm on. <laughs> Uh, but it's been an okay season though. I mean, for a lot of people, but not so much for me. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. We got, like I said, we've got one that I got and we need two or three. Yeah. And you season done now. So it's archery and alternative, but Amy, somebody's going to get there and get one. Well, and we'll end it with this. I know uh, last episode we talked about the urban hunt in Cape Girardeau. Mm-hmm. And Stacy Payne Anderson, 
what's up? She uh she messaged us and told us what the deal was. Chad, you wasn't here. I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but they had the urban hunt in Cape Girardeau where they opened it up for uh, several areas for hunting, and they only killed 12 deer. But if you go up there in them areas, there are deer everywhere. So I'm hoping to get these people on here before long, but the deal was is that they was going out there hunting, and there was protesters walking through the woods, picketing, mm-hmm. holding on yards, scaring deer off, and, like, they was standing underneath the stand. And Bang, banging pots and pans and stuff. Literally, like, just standing underneath the stand while you're trying to hunt, and every deer that would come in there, they would run towards them and scare them off. Hmm. So. They've got to. I mean, that's not legal to do. It's not legal at all. No, it's no. not. So, but, I, I think the people that it was happening to, if they would have, like, if they had had a little bit of a voice and they had raised, a, raised their voice a little bit, they probably could have got that stopped. But Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't whether you eat meat or not and how you feel about that in general, but people have always ate meat and some yeah. people are going to eat meat Yeah, and hunting is the most ethical, clean, healthy way that I know to get meat for my family. Especially and, when Chad's hunting because Chad don't ever have them run off. Yeah. They just drop. They, they drop. They don't, they don't right have no stress tra- level. That hormones ain't pumping. 40 of them right in no the track. Meat. Bam. <laughs> no. To be able to, but those deer are also a problem up there. I mean, oh yeah, they're a huge problem. You know, they're dude. causing a nuisance. I mean, I guarantee you, we go up there right now. We load up right now, and I take you up there to a couple of areas that we worked in, and it's 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 bad, man. Yeah. Uh, but, and that's why they have seasons, so they can thin them out. But then now they have seasons. All these tree huggers come out and say, mm-hmm. you know. Well, what's uh? Let's wrap up with predictions for the season. <clears throat> We got. Uh, well, man, I'm, I'm itching to go again now that bow's back open. But we got a couple seventy degree days coming up. I'm going. Uh, I'm going to get me a new rangefinder tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I guess my damn, I got a had a rangefinder on lanyard I've had forever, and I guess that son of a bitch broke or something the other day when I was coming in and out of the woods, and must have been out of the woods because it's gone. And I can't find it. So I'm buying a new range finder tomorrow and uh pheasant hunting here in a couple of days. I got a couple yeah. days of deer hunting left and then uh we're going pheasant hunting. Thank but you. my prediction is uh I'm gonna I probably won't kill a buck, but I'm gonna slam some does. It's uh the bucks are non existent at the at the old <laughs> at the old casa right now, so yeah. that's me, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna gotta, kill some. Kill some does. I've got a couple, a couple places I can bow hunt that I don't know much about this year. So we'll we'll see if that produces anything. But it'll have to be a freak, yeah. You know, luck of the draw, be in the right place, right time, kind of thing, weather and all that. And then I guess try to figure out a weapon my girls can use for alternative season. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Fifty cal muzzle loaders pretty good wallop i guarantee you my <laughs> you I, know my, my boy you know wyland he well kelsey kane we are you know i mean yeah the rifles struggle this year 
for whatever reason. But Waylon, he uh, he str- he struggles too, you know, and he's he's eleven, and I guarantee you he, the, if you put a muzzleloader in his hands, he will you know gash his eye open or yeah. break his damn arm <laughs> one. They don't understand like hold when when my dad used to tell me to hold the gun. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm gonna hold it or I'm gonna be dead. I, the fear of life was put into me <laughs> with him he just like when he shot my 30 30 the other day he was like he looked at me like oh my god i'm like yeah <laughs> i tried to tell you to hold yeah. it <laughs> amy's on the amy won a 270 a couple of years ago and when she wants to hunt i've already got the girls 243 sided in like two of them usually yeah and i'm like just take the 243 and she, i want to use my gun i'm like you haven't shot that gun yeah like and i I was like here look at the bullets and held them in comparison she i was like it's a little it's a little different you know it's not crazy different but uh you're gonna want to test it first and see how it feels but yeah it don't go like you think like saturday entertainer says they don't go like you think it's gonna go (laughs) Dad, dad says he's uh for retirement he got a 44 mag you know dirty harry and oh yeah he's wanting to put a doe down uh, with that during alternative season, so hell right. Do you know uh the Walmart up here has got two seventy shells out the ass? Oh, they do. Oh yeah. I don't know if you how many you got, but I know I need some. Really? Yeah. Damn, they got Malden. cases, cases of them. Sweet. The special yeah. edition uh, Winchester X's special edition. Yeah, you know, I've had them for a while. That's what I need, but I'm predicting. We get at least one more deer, probably you know, probably a doe, and then obviously I, I hope for a big one. But if I shoot a buck, it'll be a, a nice one. Yeah. But with the girls and looking at all that archery late season, we need to, we need one more. Maybe Dad will pop one too. That'll get us two or three. That'll be good. Yeah. Chad's bucked out, huh? Chad's bucked yeah. out. I'm going to try to get a doe in the next two weeks. Hopefully next weekend will be the weekend so I can be done. But uh, So you want to just do it right away and be done with hunting? Yeah. Yep. I think because uh, I'm afraid if I keep going, I might see a buck. And I might, I'll be too tempted to shoot it. <laughs> yeah. So if, I'm just going to try to get my doe out of the way and hang know, it up. Hang be it done. up till next September. Yeah, that sounds like but, a plan. I mean, I th- I really think this late season is going to be real good once them acorns get ate up. Yeah. Food plots oh. plot hadn't, that's, I mean, they really hadn't been on no, food they, plots. No, hard they haven't, they they haven't been on food plots, plots at all. <clears throat> so yeah. whenever they eat these acorns, so maybe late December, early January. Hey, when the first one walks out in my food plot, I'll be like, oh, now you want to come back and play, huh? Oh. Yeah. Like now, nah, you want to come get some like ribs? <laughs> get in here. Like, like normally, uh, like this year, I I might see two deer in my food plot every evening. To where last year, there's there's a couple of days last year, I'd have like fifteen deer in my food plot, and I'd have to call somebody to come drive their truck to scare the deer away. Cause I don't I don't like getting out of stand when I got deer in the food plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't like them knowing where my, where my stands at. Yeah, so I have like, say if Travis is in, I'll have him come drive up to my stand you know yeah, they'll run off and then i'll get down and that's just oh it's little things like that well i never thought about that they get into chad's food plot they 
they could sit there and eat one turnip for about three days. <laughs> yeah. You got turnips out there the size of basketballs. Yeah, I don't know. The ones that, <laughs> the ones down on the back of his truck is squatting the truck. Yeah. I'm glad I had a Chevy. It forwarded one turnip away from overeating. <laughs> <laughs> It'd blow the ascals. <laughs> but yeah, I know that uh, our, my food plot up there, I got beside y'all's ground, that the wheat and oats. It, it's green and looking good, but and they're in it some, but um, I think they got a lot of options this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that benefits horn growth next year too. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think, I, mean, I think there's a big I think key to that as far as the weather and the food and and the cycles on how healthy your deer are. Because you know, last year, last year we had three or four or more really good deer you know killed out here on on the hill yeah uh between me and cody and steve and um i don't think that's a fluke you know i think that it was just a good year Mm -hmm. for genetics and health and and all that made a big difference i think there'll be a good uh ought to be a good fawn crop next season yeah because they should have abundance of food because when they run out acorns they're gonna have all the crops that they haven't ate yeah through the season yeah, it's going to be a long, cold December. I like that cold tree stand sitting in January, man. I it don't is. Know. It's pretty nice, though, ain't it? You get all that bundle up, get your gloves on, get them little mittens going. You can see a lot farther, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Leaves are gone. They can see you a lot farther away, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, we'll see y'all next week, man. We appreciate y'all. Peace out.